Welcome to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. I'm Gabby. And I'm Sarah. And we are two physical therapy students on our journey to get that DPT debt free. And our vision for you is to get through PT school on your first try without any debt. Join us as we navigate through the insanity of physical therapy school together. The SPT Secret Society is open for students who are looking to make a massive change in their PT school journey with fellow SPTs from around the world through our three pillars of study habits, personal development, and finances. This is for the motivated SPT ready to take action now because you know PT school is only a couple years long. So what are you waiting for? Click the link right now in the show notes to join us in the SPT Secret Society. And get your first month free by emailing us, ecretsay, E-C-R-E-T-S-A-Y. Looking for a gift for a friend, classmate, professor, co-host of a podcast, or really anyone? Physio Memes got your back with apparel, drinkware, and home decor. And if you go to physiomemes.com, you can get a 20% off coupon with the code gratitude, spelled G-R-A-D-I-T-U-D-E-2020. And don't forget to check out his social media for a good study break laugh. As always, make life humorous. Welcome everyone to another episode of Gratitude. And for today, we are really excited for our guest today. And Josh is on the podcast. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. It's, I think it's going to be a fun hour. For the people who don't know you, Josh, can you tell a little about what got you into PT in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, that story kind of takes me back to high school. Uh, I was a football player and unlike everybody else who's become a PT, I didn't end up in a PT clinic. Uh, so I was not fast and nor was I strong. So I wanted to figure out how to do that. And a coach of mine talked to me about that Florida State University football program had their strength and conditioning program available online. So I looked it up, downloaded it, had everything laminated, took it out to the practice field. And I was determined that I was going to become like the biggest and fastest football player ever. And it helped. Uh, It helped my teammates actually a lot more than it helped me. But in that, I figured out that I really enjoyed learning how the human body moves, reacts to stress, adapts to exercise, all of those different things. So that led me to pursue a degree in exercise biology at UC Davis. And while I was there, I had uh, some really good mentors and, and good leadership. And I got the opportunity to sit in at a PT clinic where it became apparent that PTs are kind of like problem solvers. And they, they work with the human and kind of look at it like a puzzle and that just I don't know what it was it just gripped me and I was like oh man that seems really cool I could get to work with people all day every day and solve their problems and and kind of have this constant change of stimulus from different puzzles and that was my plan so coming into graduation uh, I was still a little bit torn whether I wanted to go straight into PT school or if I wanted to do a master's program first like an exercise phys because I loved it so much or biomechanics or something like that. And I also thought the carryover from grad school would help me out really well and getting into a better PT school or better team me up to be successful in PT school and beyond. So I reached out to, I think it was something like 40 or 50 different schools and just 
like batch emailed them all saying, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I want to do. Can you help me? Can you help me decide this problem? And a lot of the schools didn't get back to me, which was a valuable lesson at the time. But uh, a lot of schools did. And one of the schools, Columbia University in New York, got back to me and they said, hey, you need to talk to this guy in our program. He sounds exactly like you. He's the perfect person to talk to. So I ended up getting hooked up with this guy named Doug. And Doug, I emailed Doug. He emailed me back. And I figured it was just going to be like a five-minute conversation because he said, we got to talk about this on the phone. This is too much to do an email. So I give him a call. And I was on the phone with him for like an hour and a half. And Doug basically just like dropped knowledge bombs left and right and, and completely blew my mind and uh, steered me really well into the path that continues to be the path that I'm on today. And, and Doug still serves as a mentor to me uh, indirectly. We're not in direct contact anymore, but basically that took me all the way up into PT school. And um that was a really eye-opening experience. And because of the, the valuable mentorship and kind things that people have done for me, I feel the need to continue to pay that forward to a lot of other PT students and new grad PTs. So you talked about, well, you're about to talk about the PT school experience. So how was it for you going in and what did the first semester look like for you and going forward too? Yeah, no, absolutely. So the uh, PT school I ended up having to make a decision between two different schools, one of which was back on the East Coast. All my family, extended family, lives in New York, so it seemed like it would be a good fit. It's New York Medical College. And the other school that I got into was the exact opposite side of the country, which was in California, which was only you know a few hours from where I lived, which was Fresno State. So I remember sitting at the New York Medical College uh, interviewed and their, their whole situation. And they brought in someone from the financial side and they said, Hey, I know you guys are worried about student loans, but if you do everything right, and by the time you graduate, you'll probably come out with about a hundred thousand dollars of debt. And I remember hearing that and thinking like, Holy shit, like that's a lot of money. And then when I went and sat down, cause I had already gotten accepted to New York medical college. When I did my interview at Fresno state, I sat down and they gave you the tuition breakdown and the three year total was $68,000. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't care what I have to say in this interview. Like I need to get in here. This is the place. And it all worked out and I was able to go to Fresno state, but to answer your question, what was that uh, first semester and, and pretty much the whole experience like? It was a bit of a whirlwind. I think everybody kind of experiences that. I went in, I had a year off in between undergrad and grad school. And in that time I worked as a personal trainer and I was learning a ton. You know, I was, I was really excited to take this kind of newfound thirst for learning where I'd been a little burnt out towards the end of college and take that newfound excitement into PT school where I thought, hey, this is a three years where I'm gonna learn only what I wanna learn. And I got really excited. I came in and that excitement kind of lasted me through the first semester and a half. And then just the sheer volume of work kind of stacked up. Um, but I was really fortunate that our class was pretty small. We only had 32 people in our class, but we were like the tightest group of people that you could imagine. And you guys know how it is. You go to anatomy lab, you're like poking each other. You're, you're pretty much naked around these other 32 people all day long. <laughs> so there's no secrets. And they, that group of 32 was instrumental in my success, my enjoyment of physical therapy school. I still have like a really warm place in my heart about my time there. Um, and kind of 
on the, on the back end of all of that, I got really fortunate as well because I met my wife in PT school. So for all of the people who are listening to this and they're thinking like, oh, there's that cute classmate, but I don't want to make it awkward, just shut up and do it. Because if it doesn't work out, it'll be a great story later on. Uh, and if it does work out, then maybe you'll end up married to another PT. What a cute story. <laughs> that's, that's awesome though. And I think I bet there's at least one of those in every PT class. That is my guess, just because of how PT school is set up. Like you kind of have to get to know these people around you. So, hey, maybe people listening are like, I will talk to that one person. Shoot your shot. Yeah, there were, we're kind of an incestual class. We actually had three couples all get married. Incestual. <laughs> what a phrase. I love that, but that's so cool. <laughs> backtrack so you so going through PT school and when you graduated how was that process because I know a lot of our listeners they are getting close to graduation less than a year and as we're recording this we're still in the pandemic so tell us about the end of PT school and what you know did you know what you want to do at that point or did it take a little bit of time to search for that yeah Absolutely. So I was, I was really fortunate in that I had a great faculty member who was a mentor of mine. His name's Dr. Bupinder Singh. Uh, he runs the Final Frontier. So for any of your listeners who are looking at the NPTE exam, he's by far the best out there. But I remember him and I had a lot of talks as I got closer and closer to graduation. And I had this, this beautiful vision of how it was going to go. It's going to come out and going to get all these job offers. And I was going to only accept anybody who paid me over $100,000. That was like, I'm going to be a new grad. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be in the sports orthopedic world. And I'm going to make a change in all these athletes lives. And it's, it's just going to be the perfect fit. And uh, that's not what happened. So <laughs> I'm sure you guys kind of get the sense of, but I knew I wanted to be an outpatient orthopedics. And my wife and I were trying to decide she's, she's from Southern California, and I'm from Northern California. So we had this kind of California rivalry coming along as to where are we going to move down to where she's from? We're going to move back up to where I'm from. Luckily, I won that battle and we moved up to the Bay Area. But along the way, we were trying to figure out, okay, like where where is it that we're going to settle in this area? Because it's a really big uh, geographic space. And she interviewed at, I mean, we both interviewed at probably somewhere between 10 and 15 clinics. The nice thing for all the listeners out there, I'm not sure how it'll be, obviously, given the, the pandemic, but we got job offers to almost every single place that we applied to. And it's not, I like to think it was because we were, you know, so talented and skilled as new grads. Uh, but the likelihood is that's, that's not the case. There is a huge need for physical therapists and there still will be. The outpatient orthopedic world might take a little bit of a hit just because of the situation, but that will open up spaces in the acute care setting and inpatient rehab in those areas. But I ended up in like your classic outpatient orthopedic clinic. And I was there for about a year, seeing 14 patients a day, cranking it out before I realized that I am not happy here and I need to figure out a way to step out of this space and carve out a space for myself because I'm kind of like an idealist and I, I operate on these really, really high parameters and the likelihood that somebody's going to set up a clinic that works exactly to what I want is very unlikely. So I kind of had a realization that I had to start something on my own. And I reached out to a couple of 
CrossFit gyms in the area. Uh, I have a really strong strength and conditioning background. So it seemed like a good transition for me and just wanted to see if any of them would be open to having somebody share some space and treat some patients or some members of their gym uh, at a discounted rate for them. That took seed and it ended up working out. So that grew and grew and grew. And then I eventually ended up leaving the clinic that I was at, starting my own cash-based practice, which I still uh, run and operate about three days a week. And that's been a, another whirlwind of an experience, a, a hell of a lot of learning going on there. But the really exciting part is that I, I enjoy what I do every day. I only have to see you know five, six patients a day. I don't have to jam in 14 like I used to. And I think the kind of like the most eye-opening part of that whole process was I never thought I was going to be a business owner. And I always, you know, figured, well, I just got to find the perfect scenario for me. And if any of the new grads out there thinking that they can't do it, promise you, you don't have to have that business gene. You just have to know what you want to do and you have to be confident selling yourself. And the situation will usually work itself out. And for reference, again, for the students who are like, wait, didn't he graduate in 2017 and it's 2020 as we're recording this? Yes. So can you just take us through that timeline for a second? And what else are you doing outside of your clinic right now? Yes, absolutely. So 2017 is when I graduated, uh, May of 2017. My wife and I took the boards in, I think it was July. And then passed first time through, we didn't start working until September of 2017, I was at that clinic until May of 2019, so a year and a half, yeah. Um, we got married in September of 2019, and then I took a month off, and when I came back, I left the clinic that I was at. I kind of devoted more energy and time into the clinic that I opened, and I would say probably in to take a step back, probably March or April of 2019 is when I stepped out and started seeing patients on my own. So I, I had about six months of kind of uh, a, a trial period where I was seeing, is there something that's going to stick here? Do people actually want this service? Are they willing to pay out of pocket for this service? And I was charging $100 an hour at that point, thinking like, oh man, this is, you know, this is two and a half times what I make in the outpatient clinic. This is amazing. And Obviously, that's changed a lot since then. I charge a lot more, but um, it, it was somewhere along that process where it became very apparent that if I wanted to make more money, which I did, and I wanted to see less patients, which I also did, that opportunity probably wasn't going to present itself organically. I would have to create it myself. So it's only been like a year and a half-ish. Yeah. That's insane. So what are you doing outside of the clinic right now? Yes. Yeah, so, so three days a week, I work doing uh, treatment on my own patients at my clinic. The other days a week, I work on what I call the SPT. It's got a dollar sign for the S, uh, which is basically a financial educational thing for new grads and current students to teach them all about the financials of physical therapy school, to teach them how to come out of school and pay off their loans as quickly as possible. And that whole thing was kind of born out of a little bit of frustration and, and experience on my own part and my wife's part as well. Uh, together between the two of us, we had, I think it was just under $115,000 of student loans that we had to pay back. 
And the first few months, we just kind of kicked the can down the road and we're like, we don't want to deal with this problem. We're just excited to be living together and navigating that whole situation. Um, but it, I'd say maybe after two or three months, I had been listening to a bunch of podcasts and hearing people say, you know, there's, there's ways to pay this off. I kind of heard about this thing called the snowball method. And I started doing a little bit more research into that. And around that time is when I was thinking to myself, like, I think I'm going to actually propose to Lucy, who's now my current wife. It seems like it would make sense if we combined our finances and like really tried to figure this thing out because eventually I was in less loans um, than she, or sorry, I had less loans taken out than she did, but I realized her debt is eventually going to become my debt and we're all trying to do the same thing here. So why not get on the same page and figure this out? And we were able to pay off the entirety of that in two years. And that was like kind of an eye-opening moment to me because I talked to all my, all like we both talked to all of our colleagues and our, the, the classmates that we graduated with. And they all were still sitting in about the same amount, even though some of them have bought houses and some of them have bought cars and all this stuff. And we're sitting here like how, like, you guys probably had less debt than we do. And you still live in Fresno, which is a hell of a lot cheaper than it is in the Bay Area. So what's what's going on here? What's not adding up? And I had other friends who went to private schools and just hearing the sheer amount of debt that they were in was like mind blowing. So that's when I kind of figured out after I paid everything off, like this isn't, it's not that hard. It's really not. It's, it's like anything in life. It's kind of like being a PT as well when you're talking to your patients. The solution itself is not very challenging. It's simple. However, that doesn't mean it's easy. You have to put in these principles into action and you have to be very consistent and diligent with what you're trying to accomplish. And as long as you stay on target, you'll be okay. You'll figure the thing out and it will actually get paid off a hell of a lot faster than your loan term length says it will. So I, that may, I kind of jumped around, but that's, that's what I do outside the clinic is I help current PTs and soon to be PTs figure out and navigate that situation. Yeah, that's amazing. And especially with, you know, like you said, that combined, um, combining everything. And what are some of the strategies that both of you use? Because a lot of the times they say like, oh, pay it off in two years. It's still a six figure number. But um, what are some of the things that you did implement, especially with a wedding and um, doing all those things? So if you want to talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say to anybody, first off, you have to figure out what makes you happy because you could live like a miser. And I, I like to use this phrase. My friend told me to say this on the podcast. So you, I don't want you to eat top ramen every night. Like that's anybody can do that. And that's great. But at the same time, you're also trying to be like this pinnacle of health that the general public is seeing as a PT. You don't want to just be like, oh, I'm eating my ramen at lunch you have to figure out what makes you happy. If it's going out and getting food, that's your thing. If it's travel, that's your thing. If it's, you know, I don't really know what else. Buying a new car, like that's your thing. That's okay. Whatever those things are, prioritize them. But all of the other things that don't make you happy, that actually leave you feeling a little bit unfulfilled, stop spending money. It's, it's not worth it. And that's, that's the biggest crisis that I see, especially with like our generation. I'm only uh, 29, but in the kind of young 30s and younger, everybody gets caught up in keeping up with the Joneses or keeping up with all of your classmates is really tough as a PT student. And 
you'll see like, oh, well, this person was able to do this and that person was able to do this. And I want to do all these things. And that's great if all of those things make you happy. But if they don't make you happy, you're spending money, which you work your butt off for when you come out of school and you're not getting anything out of it. So that's, that's like absolute step one, figure out those things so that you can realize where I want to put my income and where I don't want to put my income. And that will save you a lot of money just in its own right. Then from there, the simple strategies, uh, probably the, the next step is refinance. You know, you guys, well, you guys and some of the other people who are sitting on student loans, 2020 is an interesting year because there's no interest rates right now. Um, so the money that you have taken out, you can pay it down and it will go straight to your principal, which means it goes straight to your loan. For those of you who are still in school, when you come out of school and you put down however much you're paying per month, a big portion of that is going towards your interest, which really sucks because if you took $100,000 out of school, you're only putting you know a couple hundred bucks into the actual 100,000. And then the rest of that is going to pay off the interest that's way down the road on the back end. So by refinancing, you can drop your interest rate down, which means your monthly contribution is also gonna go down. I also encourage people, and this is something that some people don't agree with, but it, it worked out really well for us extend the loan term as long as physically possible. If they'll give you a 75 year loan, as long as they don't care that you pay it off early, do it. Because that means your monthly amount that you have to pay just got way smaller. And the math I like to use with people is like, let's say before you were paying $1,000 a month to your student loans and 600 of that was going to your interest and 400 was going to your principal. Well, guess what? If we can drop down your monthly payment by extending your loan to $400, you're still used to paying $1,000. So let's keep paying $1,000. And now maybe 300 of that 400 goes into your loan and 100 goes into interest, but now you're putting another 600 on top of that into your loan. So yeah, you may set up that loan for 25 years, but I guarantee you, you're gonna pay it off faster than the original 10 that they probably stuck you with coming out of school. So step one, figure out what matters to you, spend money on the things that matter, don't spend money on the things that don't. Step two, refinance, increase the loan term, decrease your interest rate as much as possible and get your monthly payment down as low as you can. And then step three, keep paying what you were paying and figure that situation out. So that was, those are kind of the first three steps that we put into play. On the back end of that, we started realizing, hey, there's a lot of leftover money here. Like, why are we just putting money into our bank account if we can take that money and put it more into our loans? So we just kept kicking more and more and more. And it got to the point that we were putting, I think somewhere between five and six grand a month into loans. And when you start putting that kind of money down, it adds up really, really fast. You know, now you're talking 60 to $70,000 a year. That's a, that's a large chunk of money to be able to pay off your loans. And then the cool part about all that without getting too far ahead of myself, is once you pay off the loans, now that money is still there, right? You have this five to six grand a month that you're used to putting somewhere. Now you can put that in a house fund. Now you can go buy a car. Now you can do any of those things you want to do. It just takes a little bit of discipline up front to align yourself up for success in the, in the long run. And not just eating ramen for lunch all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so the, that's the one thing that I will say as kind of a caveat to everything is uh, when, I, when I tell people that we paid off that much up front, they're kind of like, wow, 
you guys must have hated your lives for those two years. And it's like, no, we, you know, like you said, we got married. That ain't cheap. We took a one month long honeymoon in Europe. We've done multiple week long road trips or multiple two week long road trips around the country. We've traveled to a bunch of different places and that's our thing. Travel is what we want to spend money on. So it's okay that I cook dinner, you know, seven nights a week and we don't go out and eat something fancy down the street because we know that the food that we're going to eat in the house is probably going to taste maybe 5% less good than the food that we'll buy out, but it's going to cost 75% less money. So you, you just start figuring out those equations for yourself. Oh, I like it. The priorities is really, I think the hard thing for a lot of people, they don't really know because they haven't thought about it. And like you said, you just want to keep up with your classmates and it's really kind of unrealistic to be constantly comparing yourself to the people around you. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's the, the quote that I really like is comparison is the thief of joy. And uh, for that reason, I've, I've kind of like done the whole back and forth where because of my clinic, I do a lot of social media stuff. And then I back out of that because you see a lot of other clinics that are really successful in putting out all this content. And you end up in this comparison mode. And when you do that, the only person who ends up losing is you. So you have to be smart about the content that you put in front of yourself. And you have to be smart with the people that you align yourself with. Uh, some of my wife's best friends, they make way more money than we do. And that's okay. Because we, you know, as PTs, we, we don't make wealthy money, but we make good money. And they want to travel and do all these things that we want to do, but their, their idea of traveling is like going, you know, to Mexico to an all-inclusive for four days where like the whole trip's going to cost us $3,000. We're like, man, we just went to Hawaii for a week and that cost us $1,000. Like, let's do that instead. Let's be smart about who we surround ourselves with, especially when it comes to our spending habits. Oh, I love that. Especially with surrounding yourself with the people who align with your spending habits. And I know that's really hard, especially, you know, not only in school, but even coming out of school of, you know, seeing what your classmates are doing. And like you said, just being disciplined. And I think that's the biggest thing. And I don't want to say in PT school, we take advantage of the loans, but students are just not that financially literate. And I think we need more of these conversations because they're, they're not happening in PT school. And to an extent, they, you know, our professors don't know. So you have to find the information and um, find the people who align with, you know, your values and who will help you um, towards this. So uh, what are the most common questions that you get from students in regards to loans and especially getting closer to graduation of what are the next steps? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I, I think the, the biggest questions that I get from people typically go around refinancing. Like, should I refinance? What's the best way to refinance? And for that reason, I, I kind of steer people towards, we put out a book and it's like 25 pages long and it's got everything you need to know in order to refinance. But the other questions that I get from people is like, how am I supposed to do this and still enjoy myself? You know, and, and I think it kind of goes back to what you're just saying. It's, you have to be focused and diligent. And it's, I always like to use analogies from what it's like to be a PT treating patients since, you know, that's, that's everybody that I know uh, what they're dealing with. It would be like a patient coming in and saying, well, I want to be able to do all these things and I want to do them now. And you kind of have to tell them, well, look, I, I understand that this is your goal. And we kind of had set up this program for you. So 
maybe six to eight sessions down the road. This is our plan. This is where you're going to be. You're going to be doing all those things that you love to do. But day one, you know, you just got to learn how to do like a transverse abdominal activation. We got to start way back. We got to teach the alphabet before you can start writing cursive. So if we can set those good behaviors up in the, in the first place, that typically will pay huge dividends down the road. Some of the other questions that I get with people are, you know, should I, how can I make more money as a PT? How do I increase the income side of things? And that's a conversation I'm willing to have with people. Uh, I usually tell people don't chase the money because there is some marginal difference between different sectors. But if you work home health and you hate yourself because of it, well, I don't really care how much money you make. You're not happy. And that's, that goes back to principle number one, figure out what makes you happy and do those things. So those, those are probably the biggest questions that I get. And I think, hey, if you're willing to compromise when it comes to income, by all means, go for it. That's just going to make the, the situation of paying it back easier. But don't forget that you're not like in this vacuum. If you want to be an orthopedic resident or you want to set up a practice and you want to do that, and that's like your five-year plan. Well, if working as a home health therapist right now pays off your loans, maybe that's a good idea for you, but you're probably not going to get the skills and the repertoire needed to be a successful orthopedic practice owner five years down the road. It's probably better that we focus your attention on something that's going to help you pay off your loans, but also tee you up for success in the future. I'm really glad that you brought that up too, because you know, everyone's thinking it, or at least the people who are coming up to graduation, they're like, do I take the home health job? Do I go to the SNF? I don't know, especially post COVID. So there's just a lot of other things going on. Um, and also I think I missed, what was the book called that you said that you have? It's like 25 pages about refinancing. Yes. It's called say goodbye to PT loans. Uh, you can easily access that. If you go to payoffptloans.com, that'll come up. It's one of the first things you'll see on that page. It's an ebook. It gets delivered to you by your email and like I said, it's 25 pages. Everybody that I had read it is like, oh, like you could read this at, at a coffee shop, you know? So it's, it's an easy read. And uh, the thing I like to say about it is it's the cheapest book that you'll buy while you're in PT school, but it's probably the book you'll use the most when you get out of PT school. So it's, it's, it's packed full of uh, a lot of helpful information. And kind of going back, um, you were saying something, Gabby, earlier that made me think of this. And I, I, just going to take a step back to address it. One of the things that tends to come up with PTs when I talk with them is what are the specific things that you can do? And there's a lot of people out there in this same space that I'm in, you know, hey, this is what you're going to do with your finances. This is what you're going to do with this and, and all this stuff. It's really, really vague and it's really frustrating. And that's the thing that I came across when I was trying to figure this whole situation out. It's like, okay, well, you see those blog posts that are like seven ways to pay off your loans fast. And there's a lot of truth in those, but it's also kind of like reading a horoscope where it could apply to anybody. You know, it's vague enough that it's like, oh man, they're talking about me. They're not really talking about you. And that's, that's the really frustrating part for me is when you're saying things like, well, cut your expenses and you want to make sure you increase your income and do this, do that. It's like, okay, well, that's great. But how do I do those things? How do you get really specific with that information? And that was, that was our goal in writing this book is how do we give the PT all of the answers because they didn't have the education on the finance? How do you explain to somebody what different interest rates mean and how that does over time? And how do you talk about retirement programs and all this stuff? It's kind of like when you started learning about insurance 
you're like, what the hell is a copay? And why is there a difference between deductibles? And what does a premium mean? You have to start to learn some of that information in order to be able to, to work the system for you. And that was, that was another question that I get from a lot of people is, okay, like there's all these vague concepts out there. Like, how do I actually do that? So that's in the book, in that Say Goodbye to PT Loans book, it's as specific as I could possibly make it. I could have made that book, you know, 150 pages and charged five times more for it. But I wanted to figure out, like, how do you give people the tiniest bit of information so that they actually have what they need to know? And not to continue dropping analogies and metaphors all over the place, which my wife knows I love to do. But it's kind of like, hey, on day one, when that patient comes into the clinic, if you give them 100 exercises or even 10 exercises, they're going to do one. So you better pick one exercise that you know is going to be the thing they need to do and you better coach the hell out of it and be really specific about how much should you do on a day-to-day basis and this is where you know i started realizing it more and more is when i opened up my own practice i no longer had to bill you know because i'm cash based so i can i can do what i want to do and if if i spend an hour with a patient and they leave with one exercise i can bet you that that patient's going to do that exercise every day for the next week until i see them again And that's the purpose of the book too, is don't give people too much to do at once. Knock these things out one at a time. And over time, you'll build up these habits that make a huge difference in your life. Oh, that was so good. Everyone rewind those last uh, few minutes because that is so true. And um, I love that you have that resource for students and we'll put everything in Um, the episode notes, but what would you tell your younger self in PT school? So when you started in your first year, first semester, and, you know, not, not really knowing what's going on about loans, what advice would you give your former self? Great question. I luckily I had Doug. So you remember Doug from way back when in Columbia, Doug was really smart, uh, still is really smart. And told me, you know, hey, when you're in PT school, it doesn't mean that you can't generate any level of income. So figure out some ways to do that because anything you put down now is going to help you out a whole hell of a lot on the back end. So whereas I'll, I'll tell you kind of the things that helped me and then some of the advice I would give myself on top of all of that. Um, before I came into PT school, I worked as a personal trainer and I was really lucky. I lived at home. And I have a cool relationship with my dad. So it wasn't like I was going to kill myself living at home. But I I was able to save over $20,000. So my first two semesters in PT school, I paid upfront in cash. So I didn't have to take loans out. And that's the big reason why I had less loans than my wife did. She didn't have that ability to do that. So that that was one thing that was really helpful. Second thing, there are so many scholarships and grants and research opportunities And I worked as a research assistant the entire time I was in PT school. And I was making like $15 an hour, which is pretty much minimum wage here now in California. But the way that research works at public universities is that they get a grant and they have to use all of that grant or else they don't get to use the rest of that money. So they would pay out the PT students and they would just give us busy tasks. You know, we'd spend hours upon hours on MedBridge looking up all kinds of weird studies but I was getting paid to do that. And that money kind of added up. So 
that would be the piece of advice I would give to a lot of students up front is, hey, if you're going into PT school, I think it's advisable to take time off, maybe a year where you can work, you can decompress from being an undergrad, you can kind of get everything set up so that when you start, you're on the right foot. If that didn't happen for you and you're too far into it, now and you're in PT school, like, okay, what kind of things can you change? Just look for whatever opportunities you can. You can literally float it out to your faculty and say, hey, is there any way that you guys can email the community since they have a ton of connections in the community and see if anybody would be looking for like a, you know, a PT to come in and help with a exercise program for PE or now that everything's virtual, like conduct virtual workouts or a, a balance class or something along those lines. And even if it's like you're getting paid $10 an hour, again, small things add up over time you can take that money and put it into play immediately. So those are like the big things that I would tell people right now. The biggest advice I would give myself going back would probably be in terms of loans. Um, pay, well, actually, this is a good one. So the way that they dispersed our loans at Fresno State is they gave us what they call a bulldog card because that's Fresno State's mascot was the Bulldogs. So you would get this visa that was a debit card and it would have all of the loan money for your semester uploaded on there. And you could use it left and right, pay for your school, pay for whatever. And I used that thing like so much that the magnetic strip on the back and it got, uh, you know, it wouldn't go anymore. So you'd put the receipt over it to magnetize it and do the whole thing. So that would be my advice is that money is real. Stop acting like it's not real. And maybe stop spending money going out and getting food and just figure out how to make food for yourself or stop spending money on things that don't actually make you happy. Although, hey, when you're, when you're pulling some of those late nights studying and we had a place there called the Bulldog Grill, uh, or sorry, Doghouse Grill, uh, that, that was like my go-to place. So sometimes you need that warm meal when you're, you know, on hour six of studying. You need that happy place, yeah. <laughs> post-exam happy place. Um, for I am also curious before we ask our last question, we ask everybody, what did your school actually tell you guys about loans and did they give you any kind of financial guest lecture or anything like that? You know, they, they didn't do anything specific. They did have one person come in that was like a guest lecture. Um, but it wasn't a mandated thing. I know that I didn't go to it. And I know that my wife did. Uh, that just shows you the kind of students that we were. So she, she came back and she's, you know, she's saying, Hey, there's, there's all these different ways that you can repay and, and this, that, and the other. And some of them are like loan forgiveness plans. Some of them are refinancing. Some of them are, you know, it's, it all depends how you structure the income based repayment things. And they gave us some information on that. And I looked over some of the notes that she got, but again, I think it's difficult because when you're talking to students, you want to give them so much information, but you also have to meet them where they're at. And you have to be, again, very calculated about what you say. So for me, when it comes down to those kinds of things, when I was looking over it, it looked a lot like some of those blog posts that I read later on, like, oh, maybe you do this or like, here's the seven things or do, and it's like, okay, it's again, it, it just became a little bit too vague. I don't remember any actual specific information that we got in any of our classes. I know that it was very commonly joked about, about how much debt everybody was going to be in. And there were like, we still have, we have some professors that were, you know, they were pretty young and they were still paying off their loans. And that's like, that was just, 
crazy. And, and as a student seeing that, it didn't make it feel like it was possible to get out from under that very quickly, um, which I would advise to everybody who's listening, like, you can do it. It's, it's not like it's this unbelievably challenging thing to do. If, if my wife and I can get out of that much debt living in the Bay Area, not making a whole hell of a lot of money, like we're on the lower end of the PT spectrum, you guys can all do it. There's no reason you shouldn't be able to. Yeah. Sorry. That was great advice. No, that was good. That was really good. And the last question that we ask, I know we've talked about a lot today, but what would be one piece of advice that you would give to current PT students right now? Yes. So I knew this question was coming. (laughs) I I gave some thought to it. Uh, The first one that I already said earlier on was like, if you, if you think that there's a cute person in your class, like shoot your shot, go for it. It'll probably work out for you. And if it doesn't, again, hey, who cares? You've probably already seen each other very close to naked in class anyways. Um, but the, the real piece of advice I would give to students is don't think that just because you're a student, you can't also be a teacher. Um, that was something that I, I really tried to instill a lot in, in my classmates because, again, people like Doug and some of the CIs that I had were so instrumental and setting me up for success now without them I wouldn't have been able to be a cash-based practice owner you know two and a half years out of school so always look at those people who are coming after you reach out to them try teaching them in teaching you will learn more than you ever have in any other method so it's a selfish thing that you can do by by teaching that ends up having selfless repercussions but always remember to pay it forward and um, yeah, I would say that's, that's probably the best advice that I can have. There's gonna be a lot of times where you're going to be exhausted and somebody is going to, you know, you're going to have 16 patients on your schedule and there's going to be that kid from high school or from college who's trying to figure out if they actually want to be a PT. And you could be the person who says, oh my God, I'm so exhausted. And I have all these documents that I have to write and I just don't have the time. And sometimes that's the case, but other times you're putting up that wall when in reality, you can show them, hey, it doesn't have to be this way. And each time you reach out to somebody who's below you trying to learn, it makes it that much more likely that the next person, that they go and help that next person. And there's a lot of talk in the field about changing the profession and changing our our public uh, relations image and all of these things. That all starts with becoming a profession that is much more inclusive and helping out our own as much as possible and elevating each other. Great answer. And for the people who want to reach out and they're like, oh man, there's some good stuff on here, but I still have more questions. Where is the best place for them to reach out to you? Yeah. So you can, you can reach out. Uh, if you go to payoffptloans.com, that's a really easy, just jump off point when it comes to all the loan stuff. Um, if you want to see me on Instagram, when I am occasionally on Instagram, it's J underscore Madonna, my last name. You can find me there. You can contact me there. My personal email address is jmadonicdpt at gmail.com. And I'll, I'll send all that stuff over to you guys. And that way it's, you don't lose any of the spelling or anything like that. And, uh, for anybody who's listening, who actually wants to know more, like I said, I care a lot about helping people. Uh, that's kind of like one of my, my pillars um, that I try and live by. So if you have any questions, I promise I'll do my best to answer them or at least put you in contact with somebody who can. 
Awesome. This was such a great episode and so much information, valuable information. So thank you, Josh, for coming on today. We really enjoyed the conversation with you. Thank you guys so much for having me. Hopefully the audio on the new microphone comes out. Perfect. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Gratitude. We would absolutely love to hear your biggest takeaway from this episode and share it out on all of the social media platforms and tag us so we can see it. And if you like our show, the best thing you could do is to take a minute to write a review to help us get this out to more students like you to shift the narrative away from stress and broke SPT.